Give a little time for the child within you. Don't be afraid to be young and free. Undo the locks and throw away the keys and take off your shoes and socks and run you. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris. I now know the crankiest guy. Well, it's not a nickname, technically, but it does sound like a thing you want to talk about so yeah. <laughs> we might as well just get into it then kind of how we've been using the nicknames lately yeah. it's just kind of an intro it's a way of avoiding planning for the show together mm-hmm. <laughs> well i think we want there to be a little spontaneity a little freshness sorry we're talking about the podcast on the podcast bad form i know bad form yeah. it's like when i put some worcestershire sauce into the chili i made earlier i just saw it on the shelf i thought well throw it in Yeah, that'll boost the umami, I said to myself. Jordan, tell me about this cranky man that you met. So, yes, I I wanted to just start a conversation by asking you who you thought the crankiest kind of man was. Generally, like of the, not a specific man, but like a category of man. Category of man. You know, obviously a lot's been made of... You know, the guy who works at the comic book store, a guitar center guy. I mean, we've talked about Al from Al's comics of my childhood. Mm-hmm. A very yes. cranky man. Right. But also a sweet man. I am going to say, and this is interesting because this is one of those that can go either way and never the twain shall meet. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say guy behind the counter at an independent liquor store. Mm, good one. That's a good one. That is a cranky yeah. man. I'm talking about like a corner store type liquor store, not like right. a fancy type liquor store. That person's supercilious at the yeah. fancy liquor store. I'm talking about the man who may or may not own the place. Now, again, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to paint with too broad a brush because I think there are a lot of those men who are notably nice. Yeah, but no, I, I know I have gone into those places you know, frequently. And the guy can't help me because he is eating orange chicken out of a styrofoam container. Yeah. That absolutely could happen at any moment. Now that said, it could be one of the best interactions of your day, especially if you live in the neighborhood and you got a relationship like I did as a child with the the folks over there at K and D liquors. Mm -hmm. You of course know K and D liquors there on 16th street, right around the corner from Al's comics. Uh, should I say yes or no? I don't know. I don't have anything to add, so probably just no. Let's stop no, it cold. I haven't heard of it, but I'll I'll visit it the next time I'm in town. I'll make it a make it a point to stop in. My mom told me they still work there. Oh, that's nice. So yeah, so I I'm interested in men you can count on to be cranky. Other categories: Home Depot guy, Kinkos mm-hmm. guy. Not a lot of Kinkos around anymore, but I guess they're FedEx Kinkos. Still filled with cranky guys. A Home Depot guy is also a guy that could go either way. Right. You might think that I'm here to say they could be cranky or there could be like the most helpful guy you've ever met, Mm -hmm. but actually they could be cranky or you could just not be sure they heard you. Yeah. Just, just wandering away. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Just doing anything they can to not make eye contact with yeah. you. And, you know, it's a big cavernous place and maybe their hearing's been messed up by being too close to that paint shaking machine. 
Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they accidentally got caught in that paint shaking yeah, machine. Yeah, sure. At some point. That'll, <laughs> yeah, that'll fuck with your hearing, your depth perception. Yeah, but I agree with you. That's why I only shop at Jackson's Hardware in San Rafael, California. 100% employee owned. Ask for my father-in-law, Steve. Have you ever been in that paint machine? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. That's why I actually started dating Teresa. <laughs> She had access to the paint machine. <laughs> nice. And then the rest is history. Yeah. I still can't come without it. Go ahead. <laughs> Going up to San Rafael two, three times a week. I mean, I got to do what I got to do. Yeah. Got a pilot's license like John Travolta. Similar situation for him, actually. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, you two both into paint machines, huh? Mm-hmm. So I tried to find a new frame guy recently. I had a beloved frame guy. I think you might have even recommended my beloved frame guy to me, Jesse. I was going to Quick Art Frame on 3rd Street. Yeah, that was a, that's a great place. Very affordable. Great place to get something framed. You're not breaking the bank. They do a great job. Sometimes you just want a frame place that has some frames and they're willing to mat it for you. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, you can pay a little bit more if you want some matting. You can pay a little bit more if you want a, you know, zhuzhed up frame. But if you, you want just a, want a you nice... want a custom job, they'll do it. But otherwise, it. they got some reasonably priced pre-made frames that they can mat for you. Yeah. So I, all of my framing was done there. You know, I found out about it early on in my living in L.A. And I never strayed from Quick Art Frame on 3rd Street. So now that I live in the Pasadena Altadena area, that drive is a little more inconvenient. And so I'm like, I got to find an in-town frame guy because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm killing a day getting something framed over there on third. Yeah. So I'm like, I'll just I'll Yelp frame store. I will call around. I'll see who has comparable deals to quick art frame on third. So I called probably six places and kind of opened with, hi, I've got a couple different things I want framed. Various sizes, you know, a couple different kinds of things I need framed. Um, I was just kind of looking for an estimate. What do you charge for something that's like, you know, 8 by 10 if I just wanted kind of basic glass and a black frame? Now, this is, I was going to say, Jordan, I was... Now, have I fucked up at this point, no. Jesse? In so, your Jordan, opinion, have I fucked up? Jordan, have I fucked up? I thought you were about to wade into the weeds. I thought you were about to get yourself into trouble with this phone call. Mm -hmm. Eight by 10, basic black, plain glass. They should have a quote right there for you. No one would tell me over the phone. And five of the guys said some version of this. Uh, yeah, there's no way I could tell you that over the phone. There's no way I could tell you that over the phone. Just incensed that I would ask for a broad you know, range is 50 bucks. Is it more like a hundred bucks? And one guy even said, yeah, it sounds like maybe you just want to go to Walmart. Sounds like maybe you, you should just go to Walmart. Thought I was some sort of fair weather art owner who just wanted some fucking basic ass Walmart frame. Where'd you end up going? Kmart? No, I just... <laughs> Drove my ass down to Quick Art Frame on third. <laughs> it took me two hours there and back. Killed a day, but I knew I knew what I was getting. I was so shocked that these frame guys just treated me like like I was, you know, like I was a I walked into the guitar center and just said, like, give me what the boss plays or something. Jordan? Yeah. I don't want you to get the wrong idea because I think we both know that. 
Mm -hmm. You deserve to be treated like the princess you are. Thank you. I let down my hair for nothing. If there's a pee under your mattress, somebody should pull it out. Thank you. If there's some pee on your mattress, maybe you should wake up in the night. All right, that was one time. Okay. And I told you that in confidence. Okay, well, it's too late now. I already spilled the beans, just like you spilled the urine on your mattress. Okay. This is their art, Jordan. Mm -hmm. This is what they do. They went to art school. (laughs) They learned how to stretch canvases and make frames. And you're calling them, asking them, it's like you sound to them like the teacher on Peanuts. Right. Only instead of going, you're going, the whole time you're talking about eight by 10 frames. Mm -hmm. End of the day, Jordan, go to Third Street or go home. Yeah. You want an affordable frame, you got to go to Third Street. Now, if you need a nice custom frame, you're going to want to holler at my friends at Frame Monster. Oh, man. Because I got a new spot, baby. My gosh, you're a Frame Monster man now. I'm all Frame Monster all the time. How will they treat me? They're going to treat you like a king. Okay. They're going to treat you like a fucking king. But I'm a princess. I thought we already established. I don't want to be treated like a king. If you're lucky, Mike is going to show you some pictures of the last powwow he went to to do Aztec dancing. Yeah, that's right. He does Aztec dancing at powwows. It's cool as heck. It sounds cool. Yeah. You can talk to him about his hometown in Texas. But yeah, I think, you it's know. possible I've, the other guy is Mike. Go ahead. I think in my recent life, I have seen the person who works at the comic book store move from, you know. Brian Posehn, like. <laughs> <laughs> sure. To. There, now, that guy still exists, but also there's a lot of, like, you know, nice indie rock types who want to recommend an autobiographical graphic novel about growing up biracial. Yeah. A friendly lady with pink hair works yeah, at the comic sure. book store now. Yeah. So, comic book store clerk, you've now been elevated to probably won't be cranky frame store guy. That's where the assholes of America are setting up shop. Well, Jordan, our guest on the program this week is a legendarily sweet fella, but I think he could turn crank at any moment. Like, I think he's got it in him. (laughs) He is a stand-up comic. He's got a brand new special called Posena Non Grata, which you can get on all of your platforms. Jordan, soup to nuts. Any platform you please. Get it in the Zoom marketplace. Brian Posena. (laughs) Hey, Brian, what what store do you think has the most cranky employee man? I wasn't thinking store the whole time. I was like, that sounds like an MC, an older uh, like local club, cranky old standups, but guys that have also just been MCing for twenty years. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> That's probably the crankiest bastard you're gonna meet. Yeah, a guy who works in a strip mall comedy club. It is called the Chuckle Hut or something. Yeah. You still have to leave your name on an answering machine to get tickets. And he's been working for the same club for that long, for his whole career. And uh yeah, he's he's crusty and cranky. Does that guy have another job, Brian? Uh sometimes they do. Other times no. Unless you consider alcoholism a job. <laughs> well, they're putting in the work. 
in my experience, that guy also still has some Bill Clinton jokes. He's <laughs> oh, for sure. He's still finding a way to shoehorn into the act. He's waiting for there to come around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come back. Anything, any excuse. Brian, you are a comic book store enthusiast. How have you seen the transformation from Crankus to friendly lady that knows a lot about coming of age comics? Yeah. So my my personal stores are two in the Valley and uh, they're uh, like award winning. They won the prize in wizard magazine for being like the best local shop, you know, and, and uh, they're diverse and always have been this place I went to today. Yeah. It's so not the comic book guy. It was a cute little black girl with piercings and, uh I don't think it was blue hair, but but she had some different she had some different shades going on in there and she was super happy to be there. And it was like, it's a new thing that they're not cranky. They're the opposite of cranky. I walked in and she was like, hey, how's it going? And I'm like, whoa, I have my dream job. I'm working in a wonderland of comics. I get to recommend comics to people and they're happy because it's hard to know about comics. When I was in elementary school, my babysitter mentioned in the past on this program, Darius de Belgadere. Mm-hmm. Darius de Belgadere worked for Al at Al's Comics. Come to find out, Darius worked just for comic books. Like he just got comic books in exchange for his labor. <laughs> oh, wow. I was, yeah. was going to say maybe he was, you know, relegated to comics. Like, don't touch the baseball cards. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, when I would go in there to get baseball cards, Al would just kind of look at me sadly, mm-hmm. like with this, like he'd sell them to me. Sure. But he'd just go, eh, eh, eh. Uh, <laughs> my, my favorite, my favorite player was Mark Grace. He'd say, hey, Mark Grace, I saved some cards for you. But he was mad that he did, that he did this nice thing for me. You know, I think as I have grown and gotten more, you know, confident with myself, I think back to those interactions and I'm like, you know, I think those guys don't know that they're being dicks. I think that they are just away. Yeah. And it is a weird way. And I don't think they know. No, they're just cranky. Yeah. They can't help it. Some of the guys I'm thinking of. Back in the day, uh, when I first moved to LA, Golden Apple didn't hire like nerds. They hired just whoever. And so the people when they when I first started coming here or going to that shop in the early nineties, they didn't know what they were talking about at all. They were like punk people and like pierced, and there was this super hot girl with tattoos and piercings. Didn't know any comics, didn't read comics. Like a Suncoast video at the mall. Yeah, <laughs> if that's what it felt like, you'd talk to them and and uh, they'd go, Yeah, I have no clue. I don't know the JLI from the JLA. And that my buddy, Jerry Duggan, you know, the comic book writer, he got hired around then because he went into that shop. He came here straight from Jersey and uh, he knew his shit. He knew what he was talking about. And the owner's like, "Uh, we could actually use somebody like you (laughs) because these punk rock cranks don't know what they're doing at all. Send these attractive punk rockers to Tower Records. (laughs) These people keep recommending Prince Caspian. (laughs) But I was a I was a Tower Records person, and that's yeah. Talk about cranky. You worked there. Yeah, I actually got fired for being or for attitude. Wow! And they hired people for attitude. <laughs> <laughs> was it one? No, it, was it, it one happened, instance? It happened gradually. So they sent a shopper in. A uh, corporate sent a shopper in during Christmas, 
And so I got fired during Christmas. And the whole time I'm like, aren't you guys hiring extra people right now? Like, how can you really be letting go of me? And they're like, you're so bad. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, normally. But I had gotten so many complaints at that point. And so the person that complained, the shopper that complained, I asked what they looked like. And my manager goes, uh, you know, tells me who the person was. And I, and I think about it. I go, I didn't say anything to them. And they go, that's why. Like you didn't, you didn't say thanks for coming to tower. You didn't say anything. You rolled your eyes. <laughs> you sighed loudly. What other incidents had occurred? More like that, you know, uh, just 20 something music snob attitude, you know. You're a very serious music guy. What were you mad at people for buying when you were 23 years old at Tower Records? Or pop. Anything pop or country probably at the time, but not not good country, you know, the uh, pop country. So like you were you were telling people you were out of Shania Twain when you had a ton of Shania Twains in the back? <laughs> probably. Yes, sir. <laughs> The big one was like, you know, Millie Vanilli, New Kids on the Block, all the big uh, uh, late 80s stuff, early gotcha. 90s. What were you pushing on people? What were you like trying to get them into? Well, I was actually the rap buyer at my first one. Wow. Sac Sacramento in the suburbs. I was uh, the most knowledgeable kid they could find <laughs> uh, about, about hip hop at that point. So. I was uh, I was buying NWA. I was buying all that late 80s stuff, the good stuff. And then selling MC Hammer and, you know, uh, whatever else was popular at the time. They're like, the last guy was DJ Shadow, but he left. <laughs> Brian, will you take over? And I was so, I had hair down or past, you know, past the camera, <laughs> way down here. And, uh, you know, would wear Stussy and leather and shit like that to work. But uh, I was the hip hop guy somehow. What was going on in Los Angeles, though? Were you sassafrassing? What do you mean? I mean, was it all ignoring people or were there any active activities? Oh, this was a Sacramento store where, that I worked at. But no, I think it was mostly just sarcasm. I'm probably, you know, <laughs> it was probably just my eye rolling and just. Jordan, did, did you buy your records at a special record store when you were a teen? Uh, Yeah, let me think. I did my record. So I think I did like a lot of like browsing at the chain the warehouse where they had a uh, the warehouse <laughs> that was their slogan where mm -hmm. the warehouse Ugh, always i'm i'm feeling nostalgic just from doing the bit yes yeah, so they had like a used section so you could get one of the pre-dookie green day albums for five bucks if you wanted to they had a big bin of those there was a period at the warehouse in the later years of the warehouse as they were circling the toilet right that the, like the big thing of the warehouse was that you could bring them five cds and you could get any cd in the store and it didn't matter what five cds they were right yeah and pretty quickly i mean like it gets real rough real fast when people can bring in any five cds right you you could just bring in yeah an AOL 10,000 hours CD. <laughs> that came preloaded with an Ace of Bass album, I think. <laughs> yeah, and then there were a couple of like, once, you know, like friends started driving, we could go up to kind of cooler parts of town and go to like a Bionic Records. And there was a place called, it was just called Cool Stuff, where you could also buy bongs and creepers. 
Mm-hmm. And that's a place where a guy would not let you leave until you uh, until you bought the bad brains. Even if you said you already owned the bad brains, he would make you buy it <laughs> before you left. He would make you feel like a dick until you bought the bad brains, which, you know, it, in its own way is a kind of a public service. Yeah. So some some chains that we went to just to like dick around because we didn't have anything to do. And then some some special trips. Yeah. How about you? How, how Where did you buy your teen records? I walked up a hill mm-hmm. and it it made it feel like I was earning my trip to the record store. Mm-hmm. It was a nice look. 24th Street, Noe Valley in San Francisco. You're looking at a real nice streetlight records. You got double rainbow ice cream right there. Oh, and then, yeah. of course, you have nice the legendary store, Star Magic. <laughs> now, what did Star Magic sell? Number one. Those glow-in-the-dark stars that you glue to your roof, your ceiling. Although I should glue some to my roof now that I mention it. Number two, they sold those those clear plastic magic wands that you turn over and the little the little sparkles go up and down in them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Those So stars and magic. Yeah. Right in the that's that's all they had. That's pretty much it. Yeah. That, was, <laughs> that store's that still was, thriving, right? That store's yeah. <laughs> only gotten more successful. At some point they started carrying lucky charms, but it was when they changed the mix of the marshmallows. Right. To fit in with it. Brian, did you have you grew up in Northern California? Did you have a as in like north of the Bay Area? Did you mm-hmm. have was there like a place to go get metal records when you were a kid? Yeah, well I was obsessed. So, you know, it was go to Marin with my mom when she would go shopping and I knew places at the mall there. I knew, you know, there was uh, a small place in Sonoma proper in the small town I grew up in, but that didn't last forever. And, but I, you know, I wound up finding places. There was a place that still exists in Santa Rosa called the last record store forever. And, you know, back then there were a million record stores, but uh, now not so much. Now that might be the last they, one. They earned their name of their store uh, because at the time in Santa Rosa, there was probably 20, like, you know, they had all the mainstream ones. There was a where a couple warehouses, a couple music lands, at least one tower. There was a rainbow. And then in Sonoma proper, we had a rainbow that turned into a tower and I wound up working there. And then uh, we also had a place called record depot that was uh, independently owned. And I worked for them too. And we sold videos to rented videos and then we were in an old bank and our porn section was actually in the uh, uh in the vault in the vault yeah wow yeah. <laughs> oh shit oh man now i want to rent porn <laughs> what were the hot pornos at the time <laughs> late 80s early 90s uh <laughs> i wish i could tell you you know like uh did you work at the pornography store brian before you were 18 because my wife worked at a video store in actually in Marin, where she was like 16 renting pornography to weird dudes. My wife had the same experience. (laughs) And and yeah, and we had had girls that worked at my place. I was at least 20 by that point. But yeah, we had had teenagers also working there. Most of the time they weren't in the porn section. And it was a small town. So I feel like People that wanted porn probably went out of town to get it. I, I, I don't feel like it was a huge thing that we sold. Like I, it was there. Road trip. Right. It was there, but I don't really have too many experiences. I was mostly selling, running the Ticketmaster thing and, and a machine and, and uh, you know, selling 
vinyl metal and, and punk records to people did you have people camping out to use the Ticketmaster oh, yeah, ticket yeah, machine on the weekends yep 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 and then i would also uh i would me and the manager would get tickets for ourselves <laughs> <laughs> i remember i feel like every sitcom around that era had a camping out to get tickets plot line I did that. So I was, I saw Fast Times at Ridgemont High and walked away going, sure, Mike Damone's an asshole, but I think he's got a good idea there. So my senior year, I sold concert tickets to kids in Sonoma that weren't aware how easy it was. Cause at that point, we, uh, we didn't have the Ticketmaster. That was after I graduated. But, uh, when I was still going to school, I would go to Santa Rosa or Napa or Petaluma bigger towns than where I grew up in and purchase tickets and then bring them home and sell them to other kids that didn't know how easy it was to purchase tickets. And Wait, then like I would they op- didn't know what store you go to? Most of these kids. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up with kids who never went to San Francisco. Like they lived 45 minutes away and my mom was from there. So it was from San Francisco. And then I grew up in Redwood city and San Jose first. So by the time I moved to Sonoma, I had spent a lot of time in the city and there were kids You're street that, smart. You had some street. Yeah. Smarts. And did, kids that I don't know why their parents just weren't into it or whatever. And kids that just lived in Sonoma and never left Sonoma. Yeah. My, my mom taught in that region of the country. My mom taught at Santa Rosa junior college. Oh, wow. Just like, you know, a couple of things North of the city. Yeah. I went there and Oh, now we're talking yeah. and like, there was like these category. I would go because my mom was a single mom. Like sometimes I would just have to go to work with her and sit in yeah. class. And it was weird. Cause she got the job when I was like 13 or something like that, 14. So on the one hand, these were 19 year olds. These people were like gods to me. Right. Like I couldn't believe these people. On the other hand, it was a very motley crew. It was a very mock, <laughs> like there were some people who had been weird fuck ups in high school who were super geniuses. There were some people who were just doing whatever they had to do to get done with it so they could get their two year fire science degree and become firefighters. There were a lot of like legit farmers, like people who grew up on farms and would return to farms after, which, you know, we're 40 minutes from San Francisco or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then there was adults, the adults by far the best in the classes. Sometimes it would be a retiree. The retirees sometimes would be weird, but a person who's going to community college when they're 38 is a person who maybe some shit has been fucked up in their life, (laughs) but they're fucking on it. Right. Like they're not at community college to fuck around and like do the bare minimum to get the fire science degree. They're there because they want to learn shit and get ahead in life. Brian, I have a question I wanted to ask you about. And it came up uh, because I was listening to your great new comedy album. Poseinon non grata. Am I saying that right? I'm saying Poseinon. Poseinon. Yeah. Yeah. So you have comedy shoes. Well, yeah. So (laughs) I do have shoes that I use for the stage and I call them my comedy shoes and they're just Jordans. I I collect Jordans and uh, I've got mm, 20 something pairs. 
That's why I've been at this 20 years, Brian. I only got the one. One pair of Jordans? No, just the one, a single Jordan, Jordan Morris. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah, just having fun here. What a fun show. See what you did. Yeah. He keeps me wrapped in plastic in a special <laughs> shelf on his closet. I can't breathe. Don't scuff him. Don't, yeah. He loses, he, you lose your value if he gets scuffed. What are your stage Jordans, Brian? Just, they're all they're all stage Jordans. All my Jordans are for the stage. Yeah, there's some I wear less. This is my latest pair. Just a couple of Christmas uh, gifts. But oh, nice classic bread, as they call it. Yeah, I've also got uh, I've got Michael Jordan's uh, Chicago shoes. I've got his North Carolina Jordans. All the various states he's visited. Other colors. Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got the Miles Morales ones. The they're also red, black, and. Uh, White. There are people who collect Jordans who have pairs for pairs on ice, they have pairs for the streets, and they have pairs for balling. Do you have, I would say in this case, balling for you would be the stage. That's where you're you're most elegant and athletic. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have specific ones that only get used for that, or is it just a full rotation? I have a couple that I barely used but the most of most of my jordans i i wear for the stage and then like also that i say in my comedy act if you're a friend of mine and you die i'm probably wearing my comedy shoes to your funeral too (laughs) (laughs) yeah do they also double as you know weddings and (laughs) oh yeah Brian, you gotta go to you gotta go to cool stuff and get a pair of creepers. Yeah, That's the only answer. <laughs> mm, I don't think I could rock the creeper. I mean, I always had friends that did. That was never my shoe. I'm so Vans, Jordans, and then uh, like Asics or whatever for walking. And I say in my act for running, but uh, you know, clearly I'm not doing a lot of running. <laughs> Do you go also go in and try and get the like limited edition? You know specific drop time vans oh yeah yeah for sure i have over the years uh you know because of the metal thing i've I've had the metallica vans iron maiden whoever whoever gets the vans license and right and then there's been a lot of horror ones too that i picked up what's your top horror van what it's the one i got uh exorcist and um some uh friday the 13th ones and it also I also, I'm a big Vans fan. I'm a big, like, you know, lifer Vans wearer. And I also started kind of collecting the branded limited edition ones when they came out. And I I started wearing them. And I, like, get a little sad when they get too fucked up and I have to throw them away. But you know what? It, it feels good to wear them. It really does. It, it's yeah, it, it's freeing to take them out of their, you know, specific little sleeve they come in. I have so many things that I do collect that I don't take out of the box. Like, you know, on my action figures, if I just turn the... I have a whole nerd wall over there of stuff that's still in boxes. With shoes, I usually wear them. I have a couple that I haven't. Like I from uh, I got a pair of Fat Sal's Jordans from that uh, the you sandwich, know, that sandwich store? shop. <laughs> yeah, but they're so rare. I was like, I'm not even going to wear them. Are there mozzarella sticks in the shoes? Like they put <laughs> yes, in their sandwiches? Do. Chicken strips and mozzarella sticks. Yeah, it's a fat shoe. <laughs> It's delicious. Better than a Dr. Scholl's. Honestly, it's great. (laughs) It's great for the arches. Great for my back. I know this is the only thing I talk about on the program, but the only thing I ever think about is Bobito Garcia had a television show about sneakers called It's the Shoes. 
And there was an episode where he went to the late Biz Markie's house. It's a DJ, right? Yeah, yeah. He's a D- DJ, former professional basketball player internationally. Oh, okay. He was originally uh, a break dancer. He's just an all-around hip-hop guy. Right. And Bob Beto, a.k.a. Cool Bob Love, a.k.a. DJ Cucumber Slice, heads <laughs> to Biz Markie's house. Biz Markie just lives in the suburbs in like Long Island or something. He just lives in a in a sort of medium to small McMansion type house, like a real generic house. Uh-huh. And he goes inside and there's almost no furniture, but there's just these rooms where it's just sneaker boxes on the floor, <laughs> like nothing on the walls, nothing, just sneaker. And then he just goes like, do you got these? You got these? You got these? For like the whole episode. And it's the greatest shit in the history of the world to watch Bismarcky get pumped about like different fucking Clydes he has or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just tremendous. I got to meet him. Ah, oh, how did you meet the Biz? He was the nicest guy. Nobody meets the Biz. <laughs> yeah. What's that show, uh, Yo Gabba Gabba? They were doing oh, yeah. live episodes, and they had me do a thing downtown. Or no, it was at Staples, and uh, he did it too, and, and we met, and he held my kid. I have a picture of him holding my son <laughs> wow. when he was a year and a half. Wait, it's pretty what amazing. Is, was it an arena show? Well, yeah, no, so not the main Staples Center. What's the other uh, oh, something yes. live right there's next to it? There's a theater there, okay. Yeah, there's a smaller, <laughs> like, there's a smaller venue. Cow. No, no, it was still <laughs> packed, but uh, no, no, it was the smaller venue right next to it. <laughs> LA Live, I think it's called. Right. They booked you, The Biz, Celine Dion. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was for Yo Gabba Gabba. It was for their live show where I just came out and did a dancey dance. It was this little segment they would do with... Celebrities. <laughs> uh, Brian, you mentioned Bismarcky holding your kid. Is your kid into some of the same stuff you are? Or do you guys share a love of uh, horror and metal, etc.? He's 13, so he still likes everything I like. I know there's going to be a rift soon <laughs> where I'm no longer funny. I'm no longer cool. But so far, you know, we're just letting him start to see some rated R movies. And we're like, we've always been like, we call the shots, me and my wife, and we'll watch stuff with him. Like, okay, you can watch Spanglish. <laughs> we just did Big Lebowski uh, oh, nice. a couple months ago. So Christmas was almost all Big Lebowski for him. He wanted a sideshow toy of uh, oh yeah, yeah, of the dude. And uh, he got the sweater, the Pendleton sweater that uh, the dude wears. And yeah, <laughs> a he's, he's a old, cool kid. A 13-year-old dressed as the dude is very funny to me. <laughs> he's a cool kid. And now we're super into bowling. We were bowling tonight. And oh, yeah? I realized, yeah, we were going to do another game. And I went, oh, shit, I got a podcast. <laughs> and we all came running home. <laughs> oh, thanks. But that's become a new thing for him. He's like actually into doing something outside, which is good because he's such a, a gamer, too. So. Oh, sure. My daughter, who's 11, is super into horror movies and has been for several years. Nice. Well, it's not nice for me because I'm afraid to watch them. Oh, are you not a fan? Not in the slightest. No, I did oh, watch wow. I We chronicled on this show that I did go, and my wife is horrified of them. Like, I don't want to watch them. So how did she find them? Who's turning I her don't, on? There was a kid at her school who was talking about it a lot and it freaked her out 
But then somehow that led to her being into other horror movies. And I don't know exactly what the path was. They do not bother her. They don't freak her out. She does not have nightmares. Yeah, it is really, it's part of my life. She's less into it now. Right now, her interests are... At 11 already. So she was watching those movies at 9 and 10? Yes. She did unbothered by them. Unbothered by them. That's how I was. But yeah, yeah, look out. (laughs) Now she's more into, like, she's really excited. She got a DVD for a movie called Tangled Up, which is, has nothing to do with Tangled. It's just trying to trick you into thinking that it's Tangled. So she's into the idea of that. She likes that and unrated cuts. I don't remember how she got interested in unrated cuts, but she collects DVDs of unrated cuts and she has a display of them on her wall. What's unrated cuts? I don't even know what that is. You know, like like uh I feel like it was a it was a advertising gimmick in the like I mean Jesse, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm what I'm remembering when I think unrated cut, I think it's like at the height of DVD, right? Like the height of you going to Best Buy and getting a DVD the week it comes out. It was kind of a way to suggest that like Old school has more tits in it than it did in the theaters. Oh, got it. Got like it, yeah. unrated, got it. you know. It's so the, it's not the R version. It's, yeah, we almost got an X because there's so many tits. Yeah, right, yeah. exactly. Or, yeah, <laughs> yeah. like half-baked. Like, you won't believe the shit they made us cut out of this. Like that right, type okay. of movie. Or gotcha. like a horror movie, it kind of suggests there's going to be more gore or something. Am I, is that correct? Yeah, Jesse? and what's amazing to me about it is like with the horror films and not being scared of them. And there there were some horror films that creeped her out, and she's really good about stopping when she's uncomfortable. She will totally just stop, and it's not a problem. But like with the unrated DVDs, she's just interested in the phenomenon. She likes the idea of like knowing what the difference between the theatrical and the... But she doesn't care about the boobs. <laughs> she doesn't care about the swears. She kind of doesn't like swears. Like, she doesn't hate swears, but, like, she's not crazy about them. (laughs) She just likes the idea. She's really interested in the idea of the ratings board. (laughs) Well, what 11-year-old isn't? I know. (laughs) It is really. (laughs) We all had that phase, right? (laughs) Yeah. Different different brains. But what time, how old were you, Brian, when you started getting into horror movies? Uh, Nine or ten. So my mom, I was raised by a single mom also. But she, in the 70s, was doing a lot of dating and other things. So I was <laughs> <laughs> I was left alone uh, a lot. And uh, that's, you know, good things is that's how I found uh, Saturday Night Live when I was 10 years old, sure. the opening season, the first season, and was blown away and was like, oh, my God, this is for me, you know, and, and uh, SCTV and stuff like that that was on late. But that's also how I saw Night of the Living Dead when I shouldn't have been watching it. <laughs> and uh, Were you scared of them? I was, and so was uh, at The Exorcist, but I also became obsessed. You know, and then uh, horror is probably still my favorite genre. But I'm I'm just a big movie lover in general, and I grew up in that time where, you know, you had to rent a VCR before, or at least we did. Right. I was, you know, living in an apartment, and my mom wasn't going to buy one, so... I used my uh, paper out money to rent a VCR, bring it home for the weekend, and then you know bring home as many videos as I could carry. Also, 
and then watch those movies over and over and over. John Carpenter was a big guy and, you know. A big inflection point in my life was when my dad's girlfriend gave us her VCR, I think. Or maybe she did like, I don't know if it was an extra one she had or something, but it was fucking transformational to- Sounds like a hot VCR, Jesse. Yeah. Like, <laughs> she, yeah. My dad's girlfriend was a box truck uh, that drove around our neighborhood with the back open. Yeah. I mean, like the idea that that having a VCR was- a huge deal. It was the same when like a big video store opened near my yeah. house, as opposed to like the little tiny, like tiny liquor store sized video store that, right. you know, maybe had 200 videos or 300 yeah. videos. Like when the big one opened, you were like, Oh dang, mind blowing. Right. Or the kids that had cable that you didn't too. Like I had friends that had HBO and movie channel before I did. Mm -hmm. And so like, I would covet that. I was into it more than they were. So I would spend the night at kids' houses. They'd fall asleep and I would watch The Shining or shit like that in their <laughs> living room till their parents told me to go to bed. You know, like they'd come in and go, where's my kid? Oh, your kid went to bed hours ago. <laughs> I'm just sitting in their living room eating your food and watching your cable. My, uh, my childhood best friend, Jody, his parents were English. And so they had a satellite dish. It was like very like middle-class urban family, but they had a satellite dish to watch EastEnders. Oh, okay. Cause that yeah, was yeah. like a huge, huge, they would watch premier league football as well, but like EastEnders was a huge deal in their family. And the main thing that was, was on otherwise was danger mouse. And mm -hmm. I didn't have cable and I was like, wow, this is very different from, a She-Ra or whatever I was, whatever right. was going on in my house. She-Ra's terrible though. <laughs> That's his main quality. You guys want to um, watch a little of our friend's cables and come back for a little bit more? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I think Red Shoe Diaries might be on. Ooh. <laughs> Hopefully this is the one where we see David Duchovny's dick. At the very least, I'm hoping for Dream On. Is that the one was where- Was that a thing? Is that one where Duchovny hung dong Red Shoe Diaries? <laughs> Did do company hang dong on eight on Showtime HBO? Okay. God, this I is what I our, wasn't aware. This is what our producer Daniel should be doing during the break, letting us He's know. Sit, which... Daniel is sitting there with his with his hand <laughs> under his chin like the fucking thinker. <laughs> when he should be tip tap tippy tapping david duchovny hang dong google.com it could be that daniel just knows this off the dome <laughs> that's why he's so, he's he's so cool he's like I'm, I'm gonna shoot my shot when it's ready i don't have to look that up <laughs> daniel we're gonna take a break go to alta vista and type in david duchovny's dong <laughs> and let's find out Ooh, go to mr skin <laughs> <laughs> We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jessica. Hey guys, Jordan here with a really special treat. A rare solo ad break. Yeah, that's right. Jesse's not here and there's no telling what outrageous stuff I'm gonna say. The first outrageous thing I'm gonna say, get ready, buckle up. It's 
thank you to all the Max Fun members who went to maximumfun.org slash join and kicked in a little money to keep this show and all the other great shows on the Max Fun Network going. The Max Fun Drive is coming up very soon, and we've got some really, really cool stuff planned. We always do cool stuff for the Max Fun Drive, but this year is extra super cool. So watch this space and social media for more info on that. And also, we are very, very close to our live show at SF Sketchfest. That's right, the San Francisco Sketch Festival will be hosting Jordan Jesse Go on Sunday, February 5th at the beautiful Gateway Theater. 8 o'clock, we've got some awesome guests. We've got Kevin McDonald of Kids in the Hall, Mary Roach of All of the Best Books, Jaleesa Robinson of Stand Up Comedy, and LaDonia, hit maker extraordinaire. They'll all be with us at SF Sketchfest again that Sunday, February 5th at the Gateway Theater, 8 p.m. Get those tickets at sfsketchfest.com. And I also want to tell you about the Aura Ring. That's right. Whether it's mental, physical, or emotional, we can all benefit from more self-knowledge. Understanding your overall health is essential, and Aura Ring helps you discover how your body is working. Okay, get this. Aura Ring, it's a sleek, beautiful ring that's full of advanced sensor technology. It tracks your heart rate, your calories burned, your activity levels, and at night it monitors your body temperature your sleep quality, your respiratory rate. So you have great personalized data so you can work on building healthy habits and living your best life. Who doesn't want to live their best life? You don't want to live your worst life. That's a dumb idea. You want to live the best life. These things are really attractive. They're easy to wear. They're water resistant and they come in two styles and five colors to match your aesthetic. It's really cool. You get all the data via their easy to use app. I'm loving my Aura Ring and I think you will love yours too when you visit AuraRing.com slash JJGo. That's O-U-R-A Ring.com slash JJGo to find the right ring for you and get $15 off your purchase. That's AuraRing.com slash JJGo. And don't forget to use our link to save $15 on your Aura Ring. O-U-R-A-R-I-N-G. We are also sponsored this week by Magic Spoon, the delicious cereal that's perfect for anybody trying to cut down on sugar and carbs. Here's the deal. This cereal has zero grams of sugar, 140 calories, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. And get this, they've got all kinds of delicious flavors Cocoa, fruity, frosty, peanut butter, blueberry, cinnamon, cookies and cream, and maple waffle. Cookies and cream and maple waffle, very special flavors. They're back permanently. They were limited time deals, but they were such hits with the Magic Spoon audience. Yours truly included. The cookies and cream and maple waffle are delicious. They were such hits that they got brought back permanently. I love eating Magic Spoon. It's a great breakfast, but also an awesome late night snack. Have it with a little milk. Have it with a little yogurt. Put some fruit in there. Personalize it all you want. Really, really tasty. And hey, you can just grab it out by the handful and shove it in your gob. It is so tasty. Go to magicspoon.com slash JJGo to grab a custom bundle of cereal and try it today. 
And be sure to use our promo code JJGO at checkout to save $5 off your order. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's back with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of cereal at magicspoon.com slash JJGO and use the code JJGO to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. And hey, before we get back to the show, I wanted to let you know that the Archie comic that I wrote for, Pop's Chocolate Shop of Horrors, will be hitting shelves at your local comic book store on March 22nd, but you can pre-order it now. There's a special little code in our episode description you can use down at your local comic bookery to make sure you get your copy of Pop's Chocolate Shop of Horrors, the Archie Comics Horror Extravaganza, when it comes out on March 22nd. It's just $3.99. It's an all-killer, no-filler, single-issue of comics, two awesome covers. Maybe, uh, Maybe get yourself one of each of the covers. I don't know. This was super, super fun to do. The Archie Comics horror line is so awesome. All your favorite characters in crazy horror scenarios. And uh, this one is a blast. I've been looking at some of the uh, early art, and I am thrilled for people to see this. Once again, that's Pop's Chocolate Shop of Horrors from Archie Comics, out March 22nd. Call your local comic book store and pre-order today. Okay, back to the show. It's Jordan, Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Brian Pussain, Megadeth rules. Do you think <laughs> Duchovny got ripped for Californication, or do you think he was already ripped? Because I'm looking at some... Some shirtless Duchovny pics. Mm-hmm. And this dude has fucking stomach muscles. Uh, I mean, I think Duchovny probably, you know, stays pretty ripped in his day to day. It probably, I mean, obviously, you know, goes into overtime training when he's got a big TV role like Californication. But yeah, but I bet he's, he's, he always keeps it tight. He's the number 600 most man crushed upon celebrity man on mancrushes.com. Okay. So, 600. To, so to, to update the listeners or, you know, for people who are just tuning in, we were speculating before the break as to whether or not David Duchovny hung dong in the Red Shoe Diaries, the erotic HBO, you know, mystery thriller from the 80s and 90s. So I think he was in it. Whether or not you can see his dong, that is another matter. I am on a website called leakedmeat.com slash David hyphen Duchovny hyphen nude. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm seeing some saucy photos of him with like a teacup and a book covering the goods. Jordan, I appreciate you giving the full URL there. I think it's been too long since people really abandoned giving out the full Mm-hmm. URL. I would have liked to hear the dot .htm or dot .html <laughs> at the end. Sure, you're right. Sorry, you know, uh, just uh, go to my Tumblr for these. No, Thank so you. we have Duchovny hashtag bulge. This is him in a speedo. Hashtag big dick bulge. Um, hashtag penis. 
Hashtag shirtless. Hashtag, oh, uh, David Duchovny bent over cock and balls from the rapture. So I think um, there's never... It's a long ass hashtag. <laughs> That's what the Bible says is going to happen, Jordan. Right. <laughs> First, the four horsemen. The horsemen come. Gabriel will sound his trumpet. <laughs> Duchovny <laughs> will show his cock and balls. Well, bent over. Bent over cock and balls. I'm taking a look at him in the Speedo. And... I'm not. It's normal. He appears to be normal in that department. Right. Within the typical range and not as yoked as in the other shirtless pictures from Californication. Mm. Jesse Thorne, unimpressed. Look. Hard man to please. He's going to have to do a lot more to impress me. I'm glad I'm not. Jesse, I'm not glad I'm not your kid, okay? (laughs) Can I say this about season two, episode seven of... Average body colon David Duchovny Californication. Mm-hmm. This is on mancrushes.com slash shirtless slash David dash Duchovny dash Californication dash mm-hmm. season two, episode seven dash 2020 dash 11 dash 29. Mm-hmm. But look good. But look good. Okay. The butt here really is looking nice. Got nice shape, nice volume, but perfectly appropriate, sort of a masculine, muscular quality to it. I'd love to see this guy bent over with his cock and balls out (laughs) while Gabriel sounds his horn, you know? (laughs) Let me just say this. I've never felt so jealous of Miss Taya Leone. Well, we solved the mystery. (laughs) Hey, is it time for some telephone calls? Yeah, sure. Why the fuck not? When something momentous happens to you, we ask you to call us at 206-984-4FUN or just send us a voice memo at jjgo at maximumfun.org. For momentous occasions, this person has sent us a momentous occasion. Hello, Jordan, Jesse, and guest. I'm going to guest Dan Kennedy of the Moth Podcast. Close. This is Jackson in Minneapolis. It's zero degrees. I'm here in the Natural Foods Co-op. And parked next to me is a roughly 2008 Prius that has the following bumper stickers on it. One country oval sticker that has the picture of the Vatican City on it. One that says, clear the road, I'm 16. One with, I'm going to call an 80s babe uh, sketch on it that says, cool to be Catholic. And that's two is in the number two, B is in the letter B. One that says, have you called your mother lately with the Holy Virgin Mary, Mother of God on it. One, Bush Quail 92 bumper sticker. One, and you thought Dan Quail was an idiot bumper sticker. One, Bush Quail 88 bumper sticker. One, my other car is Dan Quail himself bumper sticker. And one bumper sticker with the uh, Republican elephant on it that says, I'm Catholic, and I vote for Dan Quayle in every presidential election as a write-in. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Are these homemade bumper stickers at this point? Uh, apparently there's an attached photo. Let's, um, we can take a look at that. Well, you, the listener, can't take a look at it, but we can take a look at it and try and describe it to you. Well, you I'm seeing all these. You can find them. Yeah. You, you thought, uh, yeah, you thought... Dan Quayle was an idiot. They're all here. Boy, we really, we grew up in a in a real golden age of Dan Quayle jokes, didn't we? <laughs> My mom never forgave him for, um, for talking smack about Murphy Brown. Can I ask you guys this question? You may. Is there, first of all, I'm having a hard time telling if these are ironic, but I'm kind of leading towards not ironic here. Uh, I mean, I think think 
so. I think so. This is such a this is such a bizarre. I mean, the my other car is Dan Quayle himself. This looks like a custom job because who would yeah. who would make that? How would that come about? I think it's I, I, somebody trying to be funny. Yeah, I think this is a someone maybe like got a Dan Quayle bumper sticker as like a white elephant gift one year at a holiday party and then just kind of like made it their thing. Do we know where that listener called in from? What city that was from? Because that feels like a Berkeley thing. Feels a little, ber- yeah. Feels <laughs> a little I mean? Berkeley, yeah. Like a total liberal who who hates Dan Quayle, always did, but thinks it's funny, right? To still like bring it up and put it on his car, and still drives a Prius, and is proud that he had like the first season of Priuses or whatever yeah. the first edition. <laughs> yeah, the Prius I think is a clue to Brian. I, I think the Prius, yeah, points to someone who would like think that this is the funniest thing in the world. And it's not not funny. I mean, my other car is Dan Quayle himself. If someone right. had no, that made, I'm I'm in favor of that. It is funny. Wait, Jesse, so what's your what's your case for this is this is sincere? That this is well, just kind of a madness that they It's the confluence of the two themes. Mm-hmm. So if it was just Dan Quayle stuff, mm-hmm. I would say this is somebody who turned their bumper into Dan Quayle stuff. Right. If it was just the Catholic stuff, I would say, well, this is just Catholic stuff. Oh, I forgot about the Catholic thing. Right. Yeah. And I want to add here, I did a Google search for the phrase, my other car is Dan Quayle himself. Mm Mm-hmm. All I found is a someone who had who saw this car and took a picture of it and posted it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Although it does not yet have the "Call Your Mother" bumper sticker. This is pre "Call Your." This is from 2019, so it's a few years ago. They've since added the "Call Your Mother" sticker. Jesse, I closed my other window. Would you search for Dan Quayle on leakedmeat.com? <laughs> See what comes up. <laughs> he did an episode of the Red Shoe Diaries. Yeah, he did. Was that Emmanuel? Did he do Emmanuel? Which one did he do? He was in one of those dream sequences from Dream On with Brian Benben. <laughs> right. I like the expression you were using that I'd never heard. So uh, did Dan Quayle hang dong? <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of a like a vocal warm up. Did Dan Quayle yeah. hang dong? Did Dan Quayle hang dong? I'm glad you brought up Berkeley, Brian Posehn, because my second question was actually Berkeley related. So in Berkeley, California, at least in my childhood and teenage years, probably still, there were areas where you could walk down the street and most of the, sort of like how you walk down the street in New York and the sidewalk, it's like incense vendors and fruit vendors, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That are like lined up along the sidewalk. It's that, but for visualized world peace bumper stickers and like the ones that say if the air force had to have a bake sale and everybody got free cookies or whatever. Right. I think that's what made me think of it because yeah, yeah, I did. I did grow up seeing, you know, uh, liberals with funny car or, you know, funny stickers. Yeah. This is like a little bit funnier than visualized world peace. Yeah. I mean, this is a different category. This is like, if it is a joke, this person is trying to go like this person watches a lot of Tim and Eric or whatever. You know okay, what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah. this is not or a like a creature eating the Jesus fish. 
That, yeah. that I feel like that's one that I saw sure. growing yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, nuke the gay baby whales for Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to look. Okay, I'm Googling cool to be Catholic. And if it wasn't clear, that's the number two in the letter B mm-hmm. on this bumper sticker. So, yeah, I think some of these are like were like purchased ironically and some were custom made. So I think we have a couple of, you know, like funny eBay finds or a couple of funny thrift store finds. Cool to be Catholic, I think, is probably one of them. Have you called your mother? I think that's, you know, something you could get at a cool stuff like store where with your creepers and your bong. I'm checking out Jordan. Hmm. I got to tell you something. Hmm. I'm checking out the cool to be Catholic youth rally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Guess where it took place? A little place called Altadena, California. Wow. wow. Right in my own backyard. I missed it. We missed doing a live show there. Do they have podcasts? Jordan, it, it had to move indoors because of high temperatures. Right. But being indoors, according to AngelusNews.com, <laughs> Being indoors certainly didn't stop the music, impromptu dancing, and lighthearted mood for the hundreds of area youth who came from all across the Los Angeles Archdiocese for an afternoon of prayer and later, pizza. Now, so what was the news source on that? Uh, That's Angelus News. That's A-N-G-E-L-U-S. This is a Catholic news. Yeah. You know, Sister Gorman had a straightforward talk. She said that in today's society, there's so much information, quote, hurled at you. I just want to give you two things that I hope will grow inside you. One is the story of a Catholic girl in China who was killed by communists, and also a modern-day prodigal son who leaves his home. Oh, wow. Listen, this is an incredible story, guys. Are you ready for this? I'm ready to receive the Lord. Yes. Okay. Well, let me get my feet up. Just remember, when I give you these wafers, that's the literal body of Christ. She also described a modern day prodigal son story with a young boy leaving home. After a while, he wants to see his parents again. And with the help of others, he makes it back home. Still, he's scared whether his parents will accept him. He texts his parents, telling them if they want to see him, just leave a light on, on the front porch. When he approaches his home, the whole house is lit up. Beautiful. So that's angelist.com's account of the event. What does it say on... Cool to be Catholic. What does it say on leakedmeat.com about it? (laughs) I'll tell you this. And Jordan, Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to be rude or vulgar or disrespectful. No, of course not. But the ass on Sister Gorman. I mean, this butt, the, sh- right. the muscularity, mm-hmm. it's Duchovny-esque. I can only describe no. it as Duchovny-esque. I mean, no, I mean, when, and when I think about the love of the Lord, my meat's the one that's leaking. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you indicated your nipples, maybe? Did I just gross out Brian Posehn? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Have you heard your act? <laughs> okay, so... We have been talking on the program and welcoming your calls on the program about the most embarrassing things you did on the internet in its early days. We've had some real juicy joints. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to hear this one. But Brian, let me ask you this. Were you on the internet in the early days? Were you dialing up? Yeah, I, I used to have a bit about uh, I I met a girl online who 
wanted to have online sex, but uh, doing it cat style. And I don't really remember the bit, but it, it really happened. Uh, this girl was like something kitty, something 69 or whatever. And uh, we talked and we met and would, she started to send messages to me. This is like dial up and, you know, when it would take forever to do this sort of thing. Probably, I'm going to say... 97 or 8 AOL does that sound about right sure that'd be I had yeah. that so wait hold on so so wait I want to this is sounding familiar to me this kitty style thing well I did a bit yeah I did a bit about it and she was like yeah I can't remember exactly what was the bit and what was what she said and what it was exaggerated but it basically became you know dirty and, and like I'm licking your penis with my sandpapery tongue and stuff like that but that that's where I took it <laughs> Daniel did that's, we did... she was just like she was like I'm in your lap per and it so was kind of it was we had a call a yeah, week did... or two ago not very it wasn't super sexual at first it was like oh it's, she's being a cat and then then it started to get dirty and then i'm like but i don't want to fuck a cat was my thing <laughs> in the bit was like this isn't my fantasy your fantasy might be to be a cat and be you know have sex with a man that's not my thing <laughs> i would let a cat fuck me because of their incredible penis <laughs> right? i'd just be interested to know you want to get those barbs in there if it was uh, a cat man, I don't, I'm not a, you know a what cat. I mean? Like, I wouldn't have. Like from DC Comics. <laughs> yeah. Old, uh, Earth 2 Catman or Earth 1? Yeah, which one, Jesse? Which, who's your, who's your cat man of choice? It would be a bizarro planet cat man. Oh. So dog man? <laughs> I don't like fur. I like that kind of geodesic dome right. gray rock skin. Mm -hmm. Hypoallergenic Catman. Yeah. yeah. I want to fuck a Catman from Earth 3 where Superman is bad <laughs> instead of good. Uh, so I think we we had someone write in with a similar thing. Daniel is nodding, confirming. So we, I think we, uh, Brian, I don't know if this was like a popular online thing or you and our listener just happened across the same chat room or they stole my bit or they stole your bit. Yeah. That could be it too. People are just writing into our show with your bits. Well, yeah. Hey, if you if you also had a run in with a cat fucking lady, please email us Jordan Jesse Go at AOL.com, a real email address that we actually have. But this person emailed this confession to that address. Here it is. Back in the 1996-ish time frame, I was responsible for installing and troubleshooting high-speed cable modem services for the company I worked for. While I did this work in homes, part of the process was showing the customer the service worked and how fast the service worked. During a trouble call for slow speeds after fixing the issue, I went to show the customer pages were loading and loading quickly. I quickly typed in the first web address that popped into my head, and before I knew it, the middle-aged female customer and I were seeing a plethora of images of free porn videos. I couldn't get away from that site quick enough. Wait, so... This emailer is the one who typed in the pornography website? Yeah, I guess so. I guess it was just kind of a muscle memory thing, you know? <laughs> like you just... That is pretty... Ext I mean, when you consider that Brian Posehn got fired for silence, <laughs> imagine how fired you can get for accidentally typing in a pornographic website at a customer's house inside their home and and also to make this more appalling 
it was 1996. So think of how low quality these images were. Extraordinarily so. They should have just gone down to Posein's video store and hit the vault. <laughs> hey, you guys want to uh, hit the vault and then come back for a little bit more? We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jessica. La, 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 la. They can be anywhere, at your office, in your car, and they are wrong. My mom says that the gray house didn't exist, but she's wrong. He just does it wrong. Someone in your life is wrong about something. Something small, something weird, something vitally important. Only one person has the courage to tell them just how wrong they are. You know what you did was wrong, but your daughter is a liar who eats garbage. (laughs) They call me Judge John Hodgman. Listen to me on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. If someone in your life is doing you wrong, don't just take it. Take it to court. Submit your case at MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. Hi, I'm Alex Schmidt. And I'm Katie Golden. And we make Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, a podcast about why seemingly ordinary stuff is actually the title of the podcast. Using tons of research, we take a joyful look at history and science and stories. And jokes. About the ordinary stuff in your life, because that's what makes those things amazing. Also jokes. So get excited about paper clips. Get thrilled about pigeons. Get all psyched up and running around the room about the imperial system of weights and measurements. For real, there's whole episodes about that stuff. Hear them anytime and hear new episodes Mondays at MaximumFun.org. It's Jordan, Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Brian Pussain, coupon the movie. Oh, Coupon the Movie. That's my nickname. Coupon the Movie, the person. A Mr. Show reference always endears (laughs) anyone to me. If anyone can casually drop a Mr. Show reference in conversation, I automatically love them. It's such a specific little pocket of comedy nerddom. So I didn't watch it for years, but I've just been watching stuff lately because my son wanted to see. So I was watching, making sure which sketches were appropriate and which weren't. And, you know, and so... Yeah, man, I'm still so proud of that. You should be. It's great. Just being a part of that thing. The other day, someone who was not a comedy nerd, as far as I knew, said something about Batman the horse. (laughs) And I was able to connect with them by bringing up Mr. Fast Horse. It's not like his name at all. Mm -hmm. Real slow like. And (laughs) it was just a really powerful connection. And then we both together, just as friends, did that move that Van Hammersley, the teaching by billiards guy, does where he snaps, claps, (laughs) and then does a voila. (laughs) I'm so happy that the world has come around to how fucking awesome Bob Odenkirk is, because I've always been his biggest fan, like working for him. and, And he yelled at me. But I still (laughs) (laughs) not just in the context of every comedy sketch he's ever done. (laughs) Oh, no, no. Making comedy sketches, I get yelled at. Right. Or not greeting the customers. No, I got yelled at to quit being a fucking baby. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of baby were you being, Posein? 
in the room uh, complaining about something. I don't know. Or, you know, my, my feelings got hurt by something. And he told me to man up and, and uh, by yelling at me. <laughs> you spilled your baggie of Cheerios everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I take it. I learned so much from him and laughed so much, you know, and still I'm, I'm his biggest fan. And still since then, I will never forget. He was nice enough to come on the sound of young America. I think maybe that was after you had got moved to LA Jordan, but he was nice enough to come on the sound of young America in like his, before he became a, a famous and celebrated actor when he was directing movies and stuff. And I remember him just unfurling reams of his carefully considered theories about comedy. Mm -hmm. I was like, this guy has more like thoughts and schemes about this than anyone I have ever talked to in my life. And I was just like, please give me more of your complicated ideas about what makes something work or not work with regards to what happens when you open and close the door on the set. That was one of the things. And I was just, just the greatest shit. And I wasn't even sure if I, I agreed or whatever. I was just pumped that he had such well-developed ideas about it. Yeah, man. Anytime someone brings up Globochem to me in casual conversation, <laughs> I'm all about it. Pit Pat. Yeah, well, that so that whole first season, I, I was talking to somebody who didn't know this. I'm sure you know this, but those guys wrote the first season alone, the for, first four episodes. That's just pure Bob and David. Right. We didn't even get jokes in. They had us come read it, and no one had the balls to to tweak anything we all were like this is awesome just shoot this and that's what they did and then you know then they brought us in for second season when they actually needed some help but they didn't like i don't think they ever needed a writing staff they could have done you know four seasons without us and there might be some better sketches in there than some of the stuff we contributed but I was so happy to be a part of it. Yeah, I love I love all your all your bits and Mr. Show are so funny. And uh, yeah, you've gone on to work in some of the fucking funniest shit in history. So well done. And you also do some really lovely like reflecting on your career in your new stand up special. It's really nice. It's really nice to like hear you express how lucky you feel on stage. It's a really like oh, lovely absolutely. moment that you don't hear in stand up comedy a lot. It was it's it, it was really beautiful. It made me misty. Thanks, man. I miss the special thrill of seeing Brian Posehn, guy I love from Mr. Show, have four scenes in an episode of a sitcom. Just the era when Brian's, like a huge chunk of Brian's non-stand-up career was just having a guest shot in two sitcoms a year. And you'd just be mm -hmm. watching primetime television, a show you wouldn't ordinarily watch. And then you go, oh, shit, there goes Brian Posehn <laughs> for Mr. Show. Yeah. One of your accomplishments you mentioned being thankful for is knowing the two nice guys from Metallica. <laughs> yes, that's true. I like saying things like that because then people are like, hey, wait, oh, <laughs> it's Newstead, right? It's new. It's got to be Newstead, right? No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, Brian, the uh, the special is so funny. It's everywhere. You can stream a thing. You can buy it. You can listen to it on uh, Apple Music, Spotify, all that stuff. And and people really should. It's so so funny. And and with some really <laughs> sweet moments too. Brian Posehn, one of the best. Thanks, you guys. Hossein and Non Grata is the name of the special. Go check it out. Get it on your information tunes on your whatever platform you please. Go grab it. And I know this will just 
fall on deaf ears. This is clearly not something I would recommend to our audience, but just, you know, for the sake of saying it, I don't imagine anyone will be interested in this, but you host a great D&D podcast with Blaine Kapatch. Again, yeah, I don't know if anyone would give us, a shit listening to this, but... No one is really <laughs> into that kind of thing. But uh, nerd yeah. poker. It's a ton of fun. Yeah, man. Just so you know, Brian, most of our listeners are jocks. Right. <laughs> okay. Daniel Zaffron, our producer. Brian Sunny D. Fernandez, our producer emeritus. You can find us online at MaximumFun.org. We're on Reddit at MaximumFun.reddit.com. On Twitter at Jordan Jesse Go. We are on Instagram at Jordan David Morris at put.this.on. On Facebook at Facebook.com slash Jordan Jesse Go. Daniel has been making some, I don't know if you've noticed this, Jordan. Cool video clips mm-hmm. and dank memes. Dank memes, cool clips, mm-hmm. shareable yucks. Uh, all kinds of great stuff. We will see everybody at San Francisco Sketchfest. We're really looking forward to it. We're going to have a great time. We just booked La Doña, one of my favorite Bay Area musicians. She's super cool and funny as well. Look, we're bringing you a fucking kids in the hall. What, what more do you want than a kid in the hall? Yeah. Right. If you recognize Coupon the movie, you will be glad to see we have a real life kid in the hall. And you know what? Kevin McDonald. That's the one. We got one of the assholes from Metallica. How about that? <laughs> Try that on for size. We didn't really. God, that would be great if we got one of the assholes yeah. from, from Metallica. That'd be a lot of fun. Huge for us. If anybody knows one of the Metallica assholes, please let them know. You know what? We'll take one of the nice guys. We don't give a shit. Anybody from Metallica or any band that every year sings the national anthem at the Giants game. <laughs> and there's like a t-shirt that combines their logo with the Giants logo. I think it's just Metallica. Yeah. <laughs> well, now that the Grateful Dead are almost all dead, maybe uh, the one surviving Grateful Dead goes there or whatever. Okay, that's it. I mean, we're done, right? We'll see you at Sketchfest. Goodbye. Good night. I'll hug you and kiss you and love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.